everybody, and welcome back to Opera Off Stage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And happy holidays to all who celebrate. We are in the midst of Messiah season. I know. Happy Messiah season. That's what we should say. Instead of happy <laughs> no happy holidays. It is simply happy Messiah season. Messiah season. <laughs> I was just saying uh, Messiah last week, and um, it was pretty fun. Honestly, I had a good time because... I feel like it was my sixth year in a row doing it. And it was interesting because we used to get like a ginormous crowd for the first couple years. And then as the pandemic hit and we came out of it, the audience was obviously cut down a lot. And it was really fun to see like 2018 type numbers in the audience. It made me really feel good about people, you know, going and experiencing live music again. So it was it was good fun. Did you finally get to do your Kathleen battle rejoice? No. (laughs) <laughs> no, guys, I'm not even going to lie. My rejoice this year was like, okay, I've done, I've sang better. It wasn't my, I wasn't rejoicing greatly. I was rejoicing like mid. <laughs> See, but the, the best thing about holiday singing is that people are so easily moved by holiday music that you don't even have to sweat it. Like Michelle the other week was telling me that she went back to our school to, to do a little Christmas sing for donors and things. And, uh, she, she sang a holy night and she was like i think this was the worst holy night i've Guys, ever done i know that's like every soprano song but i feel like that is like my song like and i it was not my song <laughs> but you still had so little old ladies come up to you and they're just crying tears in their, yeah. yeah tears in their eyes and i was like wow I wish that I had sung well, and then I don't know what would happen to you. <laughs> but it is—it's good fun, you know. It, there is something about the the holiday season and the the music of the holidays that I just feel like touches everybody on in just like a different way and on a deeper level. And so, it's all of that holiday music is just what a joy to sing. Um, but yeah, Messiah, Messiah is a, is a fun one. I. I, I I have come to the realization, though, that Rejoice Greatly is not my aria. You know how there are just arias that just don't fit you, unfortunately? Like, it's such an effort every single time. It never gets any... It gets harder every year, actually. It was easier to <laughs> sing when I was younger. And now I'm like, I don't know, I'm too jaded and lost <laughs> and waited I simply, <laughs> to move in those runs. <laughs> you simply will not catch me rejoicing. This is Michelle's continue villain origin story where she just only wants to sing sad music and she's giving up on even the couple of pieces that she sings that are happy. I know. Well, I'm like, I got to make it work somehow because I don't want to stop singing Messiah. What is, what is, what's your favorite piece of the Messiah? Oh, well, I just want to say that I'm so upset at Handel for, you know, giving the tenor to me, like the best aria and all of it of every valley. Honestly, in recent times, I feel like Comfort Ye is almost better than every valley. Like something about that Comfort Ye, like gets me so hype for the whole rest becoming, of the Messiah. Bec- becoming an adult is realizing that Comfort Ye is better. It's so <laughs> good. So I would say the tenor aria in the first Christmas part followed very, very closely by the bass solo, Thus Saith the Lord, and I will shake. Oh, I mean, good bass coloratura, like, gets me so excited. Forcing the low voices to actually carry their weight for once. Um, Yeah. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. 
It gets no. me so excited. My favorite piece <laughs> in Handel's Messiah, and maybe it's because nobody ever does it because it's almost always cut um, because nobody wants a depressing section <laughs> in their Handel's Messiah. But there's a tenor aria called Thou Shall Break Them. And it's like, it's a it's a dark verse from Psalm. But it's it's so much fun because it's so violent, like, and because it's like a bit of an angry aria. But nobody does it because nobody really wants to talk to their congregation and be like, he will dash you like pottery <laughs> and shatter you. Like, it's it's a lot to handle. Ooh, Pun a lot to I handle. Know. Pun oh, unintended. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> crime. <laughs> Jail. But uh, I sort of prison prison for that one but uh but yeah no i love some of like the less sung pieces of handle and almost all of them are like fire and brimstone kind of stuff that just doesn't usually make it into it because it's not usually what you want to do at christmas or easter you know what makes me really mad is i actually i've only really ever gigged the first the christmas portion i've never sung a messiah that had all of it together which is a goal of mine i've sung the full messiah i wasn't singing the solos for it but i was in the chorus yeah that seems like a marathon it's but, a lot. It's the only time we've ever been given chairs. <laughs> yeah, it's they're like, we know you can't stand so for long. this they're whole like, time. Please, please don't make them stand for three hours. Somebody will go down. Because I've never sung the other two portions, I have thankfully made it out alive without having to sing. What I would only assume to be the worst aria ever written is How Beautiful Are the Feet, which of course is a soprano solo. And I... For all who don't know, I I have a foot phobia. I'm terrified of feet. They gross me out to an extreme level. And I was looking through the song list while, during rehearsal, and I saw that. And I forget every year, and every year I see it on the on the list of of the order. And I'm like, oh my god, I could never. It's, I'd have it's to so- ask for the tenor to take it or something. <laughs> it's so funny too because Michelle and I have been friends for years, years. And one time we were hanging out on the couch and our feet touched and Michelle lost it. It's so gross. You would have you would have thought I slapped her with my foot. Anyway. (laughs) Today we are gonna talk a little bit about goal setting for the new year. Because normally we do this episode right on January first, and this year we finally come to the, the correct conclusion that you have to start before January if you're gonna start actually doing your goals in January. Um, so it's the perfect time to go ahead and start setting up yourself up for success in the new year. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this year I have actually been proactive about thinking about what I want for next year, which normally I leave that to January 1st. And then the entirety of January, February, and March are me just like still coming up with my goals and figuring out how to actually implement them. So I actually feel less stressed about you know setting and accomplishing my goals in the new year because i'm already thinking about them so get into that mindset with us because i don't know for you i'm curious to know i feel like 2022 for me was like an especially difficult year i just feel like a lot of things were unfortunate (laughs) and like busy in a way that has been odd I'm trying to have a really good outlook on 2023. I made, you know what? I had to actually do like a reckoning with myself about what 2022 was for me because there were so many things I wanted to accomplish that I didn't get done. And I had to give myself credit for trying a lot of new things and trying to set up my life a certain way and also for accepting that almost none of it worked. Yeah. 
for those of you who don't know, I moved out of California. <laughs> I was realizing I, I, my job was taking up so much of my time that I wasn't spending time on the podcast or on music. That's why we had such like a weird gap this year. And I just realized that I tried a lot of new things and I tried to make some stuff work and it, it didn't work out. But yeah, it was a hard year to like think about my goals and how far or how much I didn't accomplish. So I would definitely say that. And I think that's why this next year I've been a lot more reasonable with how I want to spend my time and a lot more concentrated on setting myself up for success because a lot of that year was also spent waiting to have the right time, the right thing, the right... Yeah. So basically the takeaway is that now's a perfect time to think about setting goals and thinking about setting yourself up for success in a new year before we actually reach the new year. Um, we we have a whole, we have like several episodes that really dive into the the art, I will say, of goal setting. So we'll link them in the episode description. But I, I do think that it's worth bringing up again that I have found great success in categorizing my goals. And it's so funny. I wonder if they're like, it's just circumstantial or if it's correlated, but I actually don't think that I wrote down any goals for 2022. And maybe that's why I felt like, a little windswept <laughs> this year. But in years past, what's worked really well for me is categorizing my goals. So I like to think about my professional goals. I like to think about goals. I like to think about kind of more mental health goals. And then just kind of like some general like bucket list goals that I have. But a couple years ago, what I would do is every week I had like five categories. And every week I would change the category that I would focus on because something that I always ran into is I love goals and I love having a list to work off of. But what that ended up turning into was having like 25 goals. <laughs> and there's just not enough time in the day to work at all of those goals every single day. And so using those categories and changing them each week. So for example, like week one, I would focus on my health goals. Week two, I would focus on my music goals and so on and so forth. And that really like helped me make so much more progress. I remember that year I completed like 70% of my goals. And the ones that I didn't complete were just kind of like bucket list things that in the end of the day, like didn't really matter and could always be saved for the next year. But really making a month by month outline for your goals and not just these big general resolutions of, I want to be healthier. Okay, what does that mean? You know, getting into the nitty gritty is really important. I can't get as nitty gritty as you because sometimes if I set week by week stuff, I get kind of flustered by it. But for example, one thing I have to have to have to do this year is I have to redo my really too old recordings. The thing that always happens to me is I think, oh, I've got all this time. Like, I really don't have to have them finished until like July. And I was like, I, that's, you know, seven months away. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It's now. Um, <laughs> but, no. but January, my goal is to finalize my ARIA list and to find a new teacher because I've been out of practice for a while. And then in February, my goal is to figure out some spaces that I could record in and get them reserved if I need to. And then by, you know, March, I want to have all of my pieces completely at least learned if they're not old arias, if I'm doing some new ones. And then by, you know, April, I want them to be memorized. And setting those mini deadlines is going to make you so much more effective than just saying like, I want to make new recordings this year because there's about a thousand steps between you and recording. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, Having a big, broad goal is totally fine, but you have to have the subtasks associated with it that are, I guess, perhaps like what I mean to say is that the big goal doesn't necessarily have to be 
actionable, but you do have to come up with the actionable subtasks to actually accomplish your goal. So just always worth throwing out there. I think it's something that um, we have to remind ourselves of towards the end of the year, heading into a new year, because for a lot of us, you know, we are able to stick through with a lot of those goals. And then for a lot of us, you know, our goals are forgotten by March. And so we kind of have to readjust that mindset. Those actionable sub-steps too are just great little mini motivators. When you get to check something off of your list as like, okay, I've got, you know, I've got my teacher or I've written, you know, made all of my decisions for my recital or whatever it is, having a something that you can check off and feel like you've accomplished something will help keep motivating you to finish. But one of the interesting things, you're talking about actionable steps and concrete steps um, but I think that's also, as artists, important to... I was talking about this with my boyfriend the other day. <laughs> but I think sometimes we also need to create more non-literal, I guess, goals. For example, you know, you can say, I want to improve my coloratura. You know, that's a, a concrete goal that you can kind of tell if you're getting better at. But I would also set some goals that are more personal about your artistry, like saying, I want to walk away from one performance every month that I'm just proud of. Proud of yeah. the choices you made, proud of how you prepared, you know, um, think outside of just concrete things because you're working in an artistic field. And so maybe, you know, making one choice you've never heard in an aria before. <laughs> Make little yeah. goals that are, that are that are bigger than just being technically perfect at what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my little artist tip for the day. But the other thing that, you know, we really have to consider is start ordering whatever it is you need for your goals now. If you're going to work out at home, get your exercise bands. If you want to be more organized, order that planner. Don't wait till February. Nothing makes me sadder than buying a planner midway through the year, which is 90% of the time what happens to me because I lose mine. But but go ahead and start ordering the things you need to succeed, even if it's just like a nice pen so that you're more likely to write down what you need to do or sticky notes to stick everywhere as reminders. Yeah, I I have been taking this one to heart. Um, I am not going to say too much because it's not quite time yet, but I am planning on launching a business in the new year that I'm very excited about. And I have been doing a lot of that pre-planning and a lot of that pre-buying <laughs> the stuff that I need to build it, basically. and. I've been very intentional for the last like month or two because with launching in the new year, the last thing I wanted to do was to have to keep pushing back because I didn't feel like I was prepared or didn't have the the materials that I needed. And I find that it doesn't even apply to business itself. It could be really anything like recordings, like you said, um, you know, booking out of space, talking, making, sending emails to pianists about, you know, hey, I want to coach this with you. I want to record this whatever you need to start setting in motion, whether it's something physical to buy or emails that need to be sent to put things in motion, you can do some of the heavy lifting now. And that'll put you in such a better position. And it'll, you'll be you'll feel so much more organized and prepared, which I think is something that's really important when talking about goals is just being not even just wanting to accomplish them, but being prepared (laughs) to accomplish them and being prepared to face them yeah I can't tell you how much my life changed when I just started setting up my stuff for the next day the night before like writing out a list of what I needed to get done the next day if there was anything from today's list that didn't get done 
setting out an outfit if I if I need to, if I'm not just going to be in the house, or even if I am going to be in the house, just setting out something so I feel good and taking that weight off of me the next day so I don't have to sit down. And, you know, a lot of times if I don't, I wake up and I'm scrambled and I'm like, oh, I meant to do this and I meant to call this person, but now it's too late. And just that little bit of extra effort sets you up for so much. Yeah. And I think on the flip side of this as well is something that I really want for 2023. That's one of my goals is to kind of pre-plan and make space for rest. And I feel like sometimes in my like type A-ness, I have to plan for it. Um, otherwise, it doesn't happen or I will find something else to fill that time. But I think in being even intentional about, okay, you know, I know with gigs around this time of the year, it's really busy. And so I want to just plan like a little weekend trip, you know, an hour away to a little Airbnb. Like you can even be thinking about goals in that way. They don't have nothing. Like life doesn't have to be about a to-do list. It doesn't have to be about being the most productive version of yourself 24-7. And so I think it's important to also address that in your goal making, setting that time for intentional rest and space is also really important and something that you can also kind of prepare for (laughs) before you're burnt out to the point where it's like, I'm dying. I needed to this rest like two months ago and now I'm like in this way worse space because I didn't plan for it. Yeah. My I don't know that I accomplished it. My word for myself last year was sustainable. Um and it it's something I think we're all constantly trying to accomplish and it's part of the reason I for example moved back. <laughs> Cuz I realized I was living in an unsustainable position and I I was putting too much strain. But yeah, if you if you run yourself to burnout, you you will spend so much more time recovering than you ever will actually working towards the things you want. But there's another, you know, major part of this, whether it's getting the supplies you need to start this new thing or if you're going to pay for a gym or all that, which is budgeting, which is the New Year's goal nobody ever really wants to talk about because it's very stressful to think about how we've spent our money, especially after the holidays. But it's very important that we come into the new year with a healthy and good mindset about it because many of the goals and things we want to accomplish involve money. So Michelle and I are not money experts, which is why we brought a friend back to help us talk to you about setting better money goals. So in talking about this, it only seems fitting to call upon one of our friends of the podcast, Tiffany Soroselli. You'll probably recognize her from episodes 56 and 73 of the Opera Offstage podcast. We've had her on a couple times talking about budgeting and talking about tax prep. Honestly, we trust Tiffany with our lives. So (laughs) without further ado, (laughs) with our financial lives. So without further ado, welcome Tiffany back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I just love hanging out and talking with you guys. So thanks for having me back. Yeah. Awesome. So we've been talking about kind of, you know, having a good next uh, 2023, right? So as we kind of think about money and finances, kind of one of the biggest sore spots for a lot of musicians, you know, is money, especially when we think ahead to a new year. So what can you tell us about maybe having a better mindset about, you know, how we can make more, how we can handle what we already have? And then kind of as a double question, for those of us who are maybe too overwhelmed to know how to even start making money goals for the new year, like what are some things that we can think about? This is this is something that I've been having a ton of conversations around, uh, especially at this time of year. 
And I don't know about you guys, but like my head has already been like my own mindset is already thinking and visioning and planning for, you know, the the promise that comes with a new year. So I love that you guys are sharing this with your audience right now. So when it comes to money and being self-employed and a freelancer, like it is a sore spot, but it's a sore spot if you let it be a sore spot. And what I mean from that is that where you are is entirely based on where you believe you are, right? If we live in a place of lack, then we're going to feel like we're living in lack and that there's never enough and I don't have enough money and I'm not making enough. But if we live in a place of gratitude, right? We're grateful for what we have. We're grateful that the money coming in is coming from this, um, you know, this artistic endeavor that I get to experience. And so the first thing is just really deciding or even becoming aware of your own money stories. You know, what are you experiencing? If it is a pain point, you know, how do you look at your own money and your own money mindset and just becoming aware of your own thought patterns? After becoming aware of our thought patterns, then we decide if they're serving us or not, right? And I was recently talking to a colleague of mine in the asset management business And I I shared with her that, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but like our own money stories and our beliefs about money and our values around money are ingrained by the age of seven, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) But not something that you would think about immediately. No, no. And like my daughter just turned seven this fall. So I'm like, oh crap. I totally, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like so stressed about it. I'm like, did I do well? Is it all done? So I think a lot of times, like our belief structures come from the community that we are raised in or our own parents' money beliefs. And if we continue to reinforce them time and time and time again, right, This the whole idea of neuroplasticity, you ingrain that every time you allow yourself to get scared about money or experience fear or lack. So if you want to shift your money mindset, first is creating a gratitude practice of like, what do I have? what is serving me. And sometimes it's more than just like creating a list of the beautiful things that you have in your life. It's a daily thing of like three things that I'm thankful for today. Once you move into that space of gratitude and expansiveness, you're in a place where you can actually shift your behaviors towards what you want. So when it comes to a new year and deciding what you want and what you want to create and your like vision for 2023 or whatnot, the first thing that I think you need to do or that anyone needs to do is really get specific, like hyper specific. I always teach when I'm working in classes of the importance of goal setting and goal setting from the lens of, I usually break it into like three categories, right? My personal goals, my professional goals, and my financial goals. And the reason is, is that like, though, though interrelated, right? Your financial goals come from your professional goals, which fuel your personal goals, right? Round and round we go. But the, the goals that I set for like my personal life, you know, like I want to drink more water. I want to hit the gym every day. Like that's very different than like my professional goals, either artistically or, you know, um, what I want to do systems wise or in the business. And then it's also like my financial goals are just a completely different category there, whether it's what I'm bringing in or how I'm putting my money back into the universe, spending or giving. So get specific in your goals in like three areas. And once you identify what you want in those areas, drilling down into, you know, so for money goals, right? I want to, you know, I want to make X amount of dollars in the new year, right? So if you're, if you're starting out and you're, you're just starting to freelance, maybe you give yourself like, I would love to make freelance dollars of $2,000 a month, every month 
in the new year. That's a very specific number, right? Like $2,000. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less for you, whatever it is. But having a specific number allows you to see it really clearly and also measure against it, right? With the month coming up ahead, if you only have one gig or one performance coming up, that's not paying you two grand, then you know, like, oh, I'm below where I want to be. Or if you're making more than that, right? It it allows you to, to plan and project based around that. And this feels so abstract. It feels very woo. (laughs) But so much of what we create in our own reality and what we create with our own money starts between the ears, right? So if you Mm -hmm. believe it, if you believe that this exists, and if you believe that you can do the work and bring in those dollars, then you can create that goal of two grand a month or something like that or work towards it. But I I think a lot of times, especially when I'm working with creative professionals, I hear the phrase like, I just want to make more which is sure that's, that could be a goal. But the problem with that is, is that if you don't have a very clear idea of what that more really is from a dollar's perspective, how do you know if you've hit that, right? You just, you're just constantly chasing, like, I just want more and more and more. And it's never enough, right? We never get to that place of acceptance or gratitude or celebration. So you can have more once you hit whatever your first target is and go from there. But specificity around all of your goals is really the starting point for, for any new plan or any vision for the new year. Yeah. And then- yeah. Well, that's, you know, you say it's woo, but the thing is I long time ago read a study about how people who believe that they have control over their own lives are happier, regardless of how true that is. And so I think that, I think you're right. I think, you know, setting those concrete numbers and believing that you can hit them is a very important part of it. It's there's a lot of mindset that goes into it because that mindset is what determines whether or not you reach out and you network because you believe you're worth getting those jobs. And and I think another part of it is like, is calling in what you want and not giving voice to what you don't want, right? Like I am so sick of being in debt or I don't want to, you know, worry about my finances or I don't want this. And by even saying, I don't want to be in debt, you're focusing on the debt instead of, I want to make more money or I want to bring in more revenue or I want to perform more so that I can eliminate that debt, right? So it's just, it's really shifting the mindset and it seems so nuanced, but again, the more we retrain our brain, the more like your subconscious brain is always working for you to help you achieve your goals. So if you only focus on what you don't want, it's only going to reprogram that thing. But if you focus on what you want and what you're creating, whether it's personal, professional, or financial, your subconscious brain is already helping you make those nanosecond decisions to align you with the creation of that reality that you've identified as wanting. And and Michelle, the second part of your question was like how to handle finances in, in this So once you're clear on what you want and you're really specific down to the number of like how much you want to bring in or how much you want to pay off or where those opportunities come from, then take a look, right? Take a step back and look at the systems that are serving you or not. So I mentioned like evaluating your own thought patterns in that way. Now we take it to like the data, the black and white, our, our, our own money scripts and our own spending and cash flow and, and evaluating what those systems are and where the money is going. And I, I think I've mentioned on the previous podcast how important it is to start from an informed data perspective rather than just carving up your income or your bills like pie and and just saying like, well, this is this is how the money shakes out. 
But the thing is, is, is that we are all humans and we're all very complex creatures. And so much of our spending and saving and money decisions come from an emotional standpoint. And even, you know, like our, our monkey brains are really making decisions even before our conscious brains are, are aware of it. So totally. when you're... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You do so much emotionally. So when you take a step back and you can look at your your financial system, you know, that's when you do the audit. Where's the money going? Is it where I want it to go? And how do I redirect? It's not necessarily a matter of like depriving yourself or telling yourself like, oh God, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't be buying coffee or whatever. It, it's really a matter of saying like, is this in alignment with what I want, right? Looking at what you identified as you want does buying coffee out every single day get you closer to that goal or keep you further from it? And then reassessing from there. And coffee is just a, a quick example. But I I did this exercise a couple of years ago with my husband and we were looking at just our own you know values and where we want our money to go. And one of the things I realized is that I identified live performance and taking in art in person, right? Pre-pandemic as a value of mine. And then we were just so busy in our own performances in the year of 2008 that we didn't spend a single dollar on live performances. Like we didn't buy a ticket all year. And I was like, oh my God, like, yes, we were busy. Yes, we can rationalize it. But the thing is, is that that meant my money was going somewhere that I didn't want it to go or other places. So the following year, I think the first thing we did was like buy a symphony subscription. <laughs> so like we had to do it, right? Like intentionally yeah. being like, well, we already have the tickets. So we were either gifting them away or we were there. Um, but that was just, that was the outcome of looking at what it is that we want and where's the money going and then making real decisions based on that data. You've gotten into a really good point that I wanted to, to ask you about. You know, we've talked about changing your mindset a little bit, but I think a lot of times when we look at how people set goals, especially in January, sometimes we can go a little overboard um, with our expectations of ourselves. So what are some maybe healthy ways to approach setting those specific money goals? What are some healthy ways to approach that? And maybe any of the negative pitfalls that you see people uh, falling into when they make those first goals, like saying, oh, I'll just never have coffee out again. <laughs> yeah, because I, I see it all the time, people being like, I'm going to keep to a budget and a system. And then, you know, a month into it, life gets busy and then they stop and they fall off the wagon and they say they suck at finances and this is why they can't have nice things, right? Like you spiral and then you beat yourself up and then you give up and you negative self-talk and you don't want to do it again. So when it, when it comes to creating sustainable change, like first is make it bite-sized, right? So once you evaluate what you want and you're, you're looking at your system, you know, maybe an app helps you keep track of your budget. Maybe you're a pen and paper type of person, but give yourself the the reality of life is busy and don't overcommit you know to 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 saying i'm going to reconcile my books you know or, or my bank account at the end of every single week i'm always going to do this like no you're not i'm going to tell you that right now we're busy you're you're working on on bringing in income and living your life look at the systems that are they're helping you and see what you can do to like either automate savings or payments or create different buckets of money, right? Maybe you're saving for your emergency fund in a high yield savings, or you're you're paying off debt systematically instead of you know all or nothing. But give yourself some grace and take like tiny, tiny steps. If you're working with an app and it works for you, that's great. If you're looking for a system, maybe 
start start by first looking at like what apps are out there or if you have a friend who's really organized maybe ask them what they use if you know yourself and you're you're an analytical person or a data you know you just want manual updates maybe excel spreadsheets or pen and paper work for you but first like give yourself a system and then the other thing is is don't don't make it suck like finances suck if you make them suck <laughs> but if you oh. if you like make it playful right like it's only as much or as little and if money gives you anxiety, like it does for a lot of people, that makes you totally normal. Find a way to either create a little ritual around it, maybe pour yourself a glass of wine to sit down and review your finances. My husband and I used to do money dates and we would go, we would budget like part of our dining out budget that month included like going and getting craft cocktails and sitting and talking about like, where did the money go last month? Where do we want it to go? And it was just, it was a date night, but you know, we spent 20 minutes talking about the dollars and then moved on. <laughs> I love yeah. money date. That's such a good idea. I I personally had like the funniest system come into my world this year because I work as a bartender in my in you know my non singing time, <laughs> and I deal with a lot of cash. And I was realizing I was spending that cash and not really paying attention to it because mm -hmm. uh, it it's just in my wallet, and you know I either I go to the bank or I don't that day. Mm -hmm. But I started doing the envelope system and. It gave me a little bit of joy, you know, to find the envelope with the number of whatever I had made in tips that day and stick it in there and then stick it on my shelf. And by the time I had finished it, I saved over a thousand dollars in cash over the course of like not that much time. And it gave me a much better perspective on my money. But it was it was also just a viscerally pleasing system to use. Yes. Yeah, I um it's so I, I think that we are very disconnected from our money, right? Because everything is digital now or Venmo or just we use our plastic all the time. That even the act of working with cash, like I, I know a lot of people that teach privately and the cash that they receive just disappears, right? It's like not real because they'll just buy yeah. $5 dollars here. Like yes. it just, just vanishes. Uh, but yeah. yet, you know, the plastic that we're using out for variable expenses outside of bills becomes also just kind of, it doesn't feel real. And so when we're stuck in a rut and, you know, either spending more than that than what's coming in or we feel like we're stuck and we're not able to achieve our goals you know a lot of time it's just because we're not connected to what is happening on the money system if cash works for you and the envelope system works for you that's that's brilliant i know sometimes individuals will work with multiple savings accounts or multiple checking accounts and like this is my bills account and they'll like manually move the money around so that they're creating different buckets for different purposes, but it allows you to think and interact with that money in a way that serves your goals rather than feeling like you have to be just on the reactionary side of, of the finances. Like my money just does what it does. Like actually, no, you are in control. You get to decide either the new bills you're taking on or the expenses you're taking on or the, the places that you are deriving income from and, and, and making that a choice. Yeah. No, that's great. I think I think kind of going back to what you said earlier, when you have a number that you're working with, even if you have to adjust that number after referring to your budget or whatever changes with um, your work schedule and, and goals, but just like having a number is so important because you have something to measure against. So you can even know like as a freelancer, like let's say if your number is 2000 and you come in at like 1500 one month, then, you, you know, maybe you can offset it by having like an extra 500 the next month and that all as well. But I, that's definitely something that I have integrated this year is I, I'm a 
pen and a paper kind of person. And so I've started writing things out and I now do it with my boyfriend, who's also a musician. And so it's been really helpful. Also, I think just the practice of talking about money and getting more comfortable about talking about goals together and individual goals, because that is kind of one of those things where like, sometimes you want to keep it all like hidden away or secret. But I think it it is a good practice to become more and more able to talk about money in an open and healthy way as well. Yeah, that's huge. And and it's, it's a muscle, right? If you lived in a household that didn't talk about money, having open and authentic conversations around money, which again, depending on your own money values and stories, maybe it's, maybe you'd lived in a household where, you know, mom and dad were always stressed about money. So money's going to be stressful for you. Or, you know, you lived in a household where you constantly were hearing the story of like, oh God, those wealthy people are so selfish or shitty or whatever. Sorry, if you have to believe that, but, um, (laughs) but like, you're going to retrain and redo that. So by talking about money and developing your own muscle, right? Your, your trust muscle, you're rewriting your own story and how you interact with it, which is so valuable um, just for life, but also to really take that step back and then help create the money and the systems that, that you want, right? That serves your life. There's a great yeah. book by James Clear that I recommend a ton. It's called Atomic Habits. And I, I pull a lot from some of the teaching that I do from his work. He's kind of like the next, the newer generation of Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. But James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, he's got this great example of like anything, right? When it comes to goal setting, you have to interact with what you're working towards. So from a cash flow standpoint, right? Because we're talking about finances here, like month over month, if you are overspending or you're you're not bringing in enough income to cover your expense needs, like one month, sure, not a big deal. If we find this month over month over month over month, you, it's it's a matter of like, is this going to get you to the goal or not? Because every month in in compound, right, we are what we repeatedly do. So if we repeatedly do that, you're going to move yourself further and further away. Like success or failure is not built in one day. It's just incremental steps all the time. So if you overspend one month, then figuring out either how to bring in more income or be mindful of what's going out the following month is just something to engage on, but we have to engage on it by ignoring money, by, you know, turning a blind eye to it or putting your head in the sand. It's, it's one of those things that will create more anxiety and be scarier and scarier and scarier, the more we don't engage with it. So talking about money, practicing, talking about money, all of those things are really, really powerful in terms of developing your own systems and and confidence around it. So this has been great. Uh, We've talked a little bit just to recap about, you know, how we can really enter a new year with a more positive mindset. Um, That's obviously something that a lot of people think about as we head into a new time in our lives is about exercising gratitude and, you know, thinking about the things that we deal with in life in a more positive way. And we've also kind of talked a little bit about some ways to set healthy goals that are actionable and might not lead to the kind of frustration we see a lot with setting New Year's goals. So with all of this in mind, if we decide that our goal for this year is that we want to become more financially savvy, that we want to become more knowledgeable about money just in general in the new year, what are some resources that we can turn to? Because I know we talk a lot about, you know, I want to I want to be more knowledgeable about money. I want to have a better understanding of my finances. I want to be able to talk about it and understand it. 
And then I think the roadblock that we all eventually can run into is, well, wait, how do I do that? So mm -hmm. what are some resources that we can turn to if that's one of our goals for the year? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So the whole like where to start, if you're feeling like this is, you know, this is something that you want to learn more about, or this is honestly, if you feel like this is something I don't want to engage on and I'm scared of this and, and I want to shy away from it, that's your body being like, yeah, you should actually, you know, start studying, leaning in, read more, like find the the podcast, the resources that that will help you develop your own trust muscle around this, right? And develop confidence. Some of the best resources that I have found have just been either books or podcasts that have been recommended by like close friends of mine or people that I trust. And I mean, I mentioned earlier, The Power of Habit or no, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Great book. Another resource that I'm really excited to share with you all is I have, we have, my team and I have put together an online academy of, you know, really, really geared towards this material, right? Financial literacy and business acumen skills for creative professionals. Over the last five years, I have been teaching in mostly young artist programs, but doing some guest speaking work around these concepts. And over that time, I've really developed quite the, the cadre of like different talk topics. And I just found that this season with the different programs that I'm working with, which is, it's such a blessing, but there's so many of them that I had to find a way to standardize the content to make sure that I wasn't forgetting anything from like one program to the next. So this fall, we put together an online library for the programs that I'm working with, where instead of just like a 90 minute talk, they get, you know, a series of modules. And then in conversations with, with my team this fall, we were, we were looking at like, well, what about the individuals who don't participate in the Young Arts Program? Like, how can we add more value and put out resources to benefit anyone, no matter where they are, whether they're in a, in, you know, an institutional setting or out there doing it, living the life, being freelancers. And so, um, I'm really, guys, I'm really excited. In January, we are opening our Virtuoso Academy for individuals. And so what that is, is it's an online portal of 10 different modules right now. And we're going to be adding to that based on feedback from participants. So we talked about goals here. That's where we start. Um, and so we have modules on goal setting. We've got financial best practices around cash flow management, including our spending and savings. We have a module on investing, investing for retirement, investing for short-term needs, like even like investment 101, like what is a stock? What is a bond? Like in each of the modules, there are like exercises and there are worksheets. There are definitions, you know, in case something comes up and, and, and it feels like jargon. You're like, I don't know what that means. And you feel too stupid to ask. Like we're putting the definitions right in there as a resource. There's a module on like business and contract law. What do you need to know in terms of being a freelance performer or professional, you know, concepts and, and also whether you're receiving contracts or even issuing contracts down the road, like what are some of the fundamentals there? Taxes, there's a whole system on taxes and accounting principles for freelancers, always a popular one. And then we are adding in modules, some of the feedback that I've received so far, somebody wanted a class on credit scores. Like how do we as performers, one, does it matter? Uh, two, how do I improve it? What are the fundamentals? You know, what, where's our score derived from? So we're putting in a, a class for that. And it's nice because the, the academy 
they there are there are videos, but there are interactive things where like there's some homework should you choose to accept where you email me or my team and you give us some feedback and you you ask the questions so that we can provide that support in an ongoing basis. And I'm I mean we're 10 modules to begin with, but the nice thing about the academy is is that it's self-paced. So you're not scheduled to be there at 12 o'clock Eastern time, you know, on a Monday. And if you're working or you're in life or something, you can't be there. You're able to do the coursework or engage with the content in a way that works best for you. Sometimes I am in the right headspace to do like thinking work or learning work at the end of the day. Like that's when I'm like winding down and then I give my brain something to noodle on. But the, uh, the material is in video format, but you can just listen to the audio. There is a transcript. So again, for different learning styles, we've developed the content to support different learners. And if you just want to take like five minutes and do something or learn a concept, like take five minutes. You don't have to sit in a 90 minute workshop where like by the end of it, it's like the information's leaking out your ears and you're just overwhelmed. Like <laughs> yeah. size. And, and I really had that in mind when I was putting this together because that's the way we learn, right? It's not like you're going to become an expert in your own finances after a 90 minute workshop. It takes repetition, like everything, right? Like, like singing or performing or anything, right? Repetition over time. That's how we get better at this. And then applying it to our day to day, our month to month, our, our goals, our finances, all of that. Yeah. That's the resource that I'm very excited about. Yeah. No, I think that this resource sounds amazing. I mean, we've talked at length on the podcast about how our own personal thoughts about how a lot of music schools and institutions can really fail artists in this area of financial literacy and preparing them for, you know, financial reality uh, as artists. Like, it's not very difficult to find financial information, but it is tricky to find credible financial information that directly correlates to that kind of freelance creative professional life. And so I think anytime you can find something that is like specifically geared towards your situation as a creative or a musician is it just makes it so much easier to absorb. So I'm really, really excited for the Academy. I think that sounds amazing. Well, one of the things that I see so much is when I'm talking with, with individuals, they say, oh gosh, I feel like I'm so behind or I'm so bad at money because they read somewhere or some old white dude told them you can't save or buy a house until your student loans are gone. Or they read a list of like 30 things you should have before 30 and feel like they're not on track. And the thing is, is that a lot of the mass content that's put out there are put out for just mass consumption. And it's really not geared to the freelancer or to the person who's developing a career like Long term, I mean, how many people sitting and working at a desk job can hit the pavement and, you know, call in or find opportunities to bring in a couple thousand dollars more next month? Like we have control and we have capabilities to scale in ways that our desk chained friends <laughs> can't necessarily do. So I think it's important to engage with this information where you are, right? And not try and shoehorn yourself into somebody else's concept of what the finances should look like. I, I, I'm really careful to do that in, in all of my teaching because we're all coming from a different place. We're all coming from different backgrounds. And it's really a matter of understanding what some of the best practices are, but really making the choice or being empowered to apply what 
what makes sense to you, right? Don't feel like you have to like drink from a fire hose and suddenly like change your whole life. Like, no, we take a little bit at a time, we repeat it and we slowly evolve. That's how we develop skills in all areas, not just with our finances. Well, I love that it's video modules because I have such a finite attention span at this point. <laughs> and so I need I need the ability to go back and review and look over stuff. And I, I like that that gives you the opportunity to do so. Yeah. I've been listening to podcasts and I find like I'm driving and and I have to go back and re-listen to the last minute because I just was in in a completely different place. And that's 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 the nice thing because I mean, all right, so I'm from New York. I talk really fast. I know I talk really fast. And if you're not a fast talker like me, like you can listen to it at like one, like one speed or even 0.8 speed, like slow tip down. She's clearly had too much coffee before filming this. <laughs> It's it's nice that it, it can be customizable that way. That's so, awesome. A little birdie told me you might be running a special for the pre-sale. Yeah, tell us more about how we <laughs> how we get on board. My my Christmas present, a little belated to all of your listeners, is we are running a pre-sale this week up until the first. If individuals want to sign up for the course, they can get on the pre-list, which gives them an exclusive coupon for 23% off for 2023, which then will put you in the list. We'll give you that coupon. And then when the course opens on the first, you will receive that email. And then we have some activities that we're going to be doing before we all kick it off kind of mid-month, but that's until the first. Now, if you need a little bit more time, we're not going to take away and, and say that you can't participate if you don't before the first, but it's not going to be any, like this is, the cheapest it's going to be. So if if this sounds like something that makes sense to you and that you would want to check it out, I would say check out the link, check out the website. If you have questions, you know, reach out to the team. But the other thing I'm saying and really giving is that if you do this work and it doesn't work for you, or if you log into the academy and you participate in the modules and it just doesn't feel good, I don't want your money. I will, it's like a hundred percent money back guarantee. Like you're either going to gain this financial literacy and you're going to feel confident about it, or I'm not going to keep your money because I know that it's an investment, but it's an investment in yourself. It's tax deductible if you're freelancing. But the thing is, is that it's, it's here for you when you're ready for it. Yeah. It's so the, before the first, it's 20, 23% off. Cool. So yeah, opera off stage listeners, if you're a, uh, if you're feeling like money and finances is kind of a sore spot, that's pretty awesome. So sounds like if you uh, just put in your email, you can, get a promo code for 23% off, which is pretty awesome. If you sign up before January 1st, and it doesn't even like you don't even have to buy it, you just have access to this coupon. So if you do decide to get it, then you get a nice uh, little saving and bonus. And like you said, Tiffany, it's time to invest in yourself. So you might as well save a little bit of money while you invest in yourself, you know, so that all sounds good. And, and well, all of that will be linked in our show notes and on our Instagram. You can also find all of that information on Tiffany's website, which is virtuosoadvising.com. Yeah, we'll drop all the links below. And if you want a little preview of some of the great advice Tiffany has already given on this podcast, we're going to link to those episodes so you can get a little preview of her style. I am certain you'll all love it as much as we have. Uh, Tiffany, it's been great having you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you all. And I wish you and your listeners just all the best for 2023, whether you join us in the Academy or not. I'm just so excited to see what your community creates and what the year has for all of us. So thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Like I said, all the info is going to be written in the episode bio or on our Instagram. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
Bye.